be, right? Uh, the money book that I talk about, it's called The Great Taking. And I somebody sent me the documentary and the documentary is wonderful. It's like an hour and 10 minutes, which is very, very watchable while you're doing the dishes. And well, we're going to start, we're going to start there because I think that what's going on from how you get to, a, how you get from a capitalist society to how you get to a, you'll own nothing and be happy with central bank digital currency is encapsulated. And this metaphor works really great in a game of Monopoly. It's basically restarting a game of Monopoly where you have to borrow money in order to buy anything on it. He explains as well, and the, the documentary is an hour long, so he explains the velocity of money, the printing money and what's that, what that's actually doing to the economy, the transfer of laws that govern ownership of assets, of investments and things like that, and how that structure has been uh, the, the foundation of that structure used to be that you owned it. If your broker went bust, your assets got moved into another broker or to yourself or whatever you wanted. But now if the broker goes bust, that doesn't happen anymore. And he explains how legally that's been set up to be that way and a whole lot more. And this is kind of um, one of the things that he explains is this is a pattern when the velocity of money is reduced to the level that it's reduced to which we're seeing, money tightens and people, nothing gets built. People don't have jobs because nothing's getting built and so on and so forth. And that compounds, right? And and that creates hard times. This has happened before a few times. And he's saying that that exact thing is happening now. Um, he compares this to the 1930s, the Great Depression and so on and so forth and explains it here. We're just gonna watch a couple of minutes, but I think it's an impactful couple of minutes. Here we go. Now, the other thing that happened was the Federal Reserve was set up with a kind of inevitable logic that they would have to take the gold from the public, which was, of course, the monetary asset backing everything then. So the gold of the public was confiscated under the complaint that the public was hoarding the gold. But then what did the Fed do with it? The Fed hoarded the gold and did not use it to expand credit. They kept the conditions tight. So what do we have this time around? Gold is not the underlying collateral in this system. It's all securities globally. So they will be taken under the argument that, well, we have to save these systemically vital institutions so that we can restart the economy again. How could we restart the economy if they are not protected? So that will be the reason given. And it's like a game of Monopoly where all of the pieces, all of the money on the board are pulled back to the bank and then they say, let's start a new game and we'll start over from the basis that we have everything and you don't. So would you like to borrow something? And this is what the CBDC, the central bank digital currency will be. It will be very difficult for people to refuse to use it because they literally won't be able to eat. They will have an app they can download. This will be the help. This will be the cavalry riding to the rescue. Just download this app and you can load your phone with some currency to allow you to go buy milk. But every time you use that, you are actually borrowing money from them. They have you again. 
It will happen very fast. This will unfold in a very frightening crisis kind of environment, and people will have difficulty refusing. And that's why it's so important to spread this awareness of this beforehand so that people understand what is happening and so that people can become engaged in this all the way to the top of the system. It has the potential to activate very capable people all the way to the top of the system. It has the potential to unify people against this. And I'm going to show you one more thing. There's a chart that I want to show you that kind of shows the pattern of this velocity of money that I was talking about. Um, I think it's important to understand the whole thing. Hold on. Okay, so he explains here historically the bubble, how it looks, and what 2023 looks like, and what 2024, 2023, 2024 look like. Uh, well, I mean, we're five days into 2024, so 2023 is just done. He's right at the cutting edge and doing the data. Um, he, he runs his own research and news desk that feeds his own interest in order for him to make his trades and things like that. But anyway, regardless of all of that, watch the whole thing. It's interesting. Links in the description. Here's a description of the bubble and why it matters to you. And so the, the theory is basically they're going to use this crash, this bubble crash, to force you into a central bank digital currency. Everybody's going to go to zero. Everything's going to go to zero unless you own a lot of Bitcoin, I guess. But everything's going to go to zero. That's the point, just like in um, the 1930s, but probably worse than the 1930s. And once it goes to zero, then the you will be forced to adopt their system in order to access basic necessities. That's basically the plan. Anyway, here's the bubbles. We'll go to maybe 10% of the peak because a lot of things will just go out of business. And this is what happened with the whole dot-com sector when that bubble collapsed. This is what happened in the 1930s. This is what happened to the Nikkei with Japan. All bubbles end this way. And when you step back and look at them, it's like a very sharp mountain peak that goes into Great like Depression, 1929. And you get a first break. And 89 then a crash. second run for the top that fails. 99 and crash. That's where we are now. If you step back and look at something like the NASDAQ index, the second top that's failing now, which is understandable given that bond yields are continuing straight up. So when this begins imploding, the insolvencies will increase due to the level of debt and there will be an automatic call for more collateral that will be transferred into the derivatives complex in these central clearing counterparties. But the central clearing counterparties are themselves likely exposed. So he's explaining how all of, all of this Debt, all of this debt is going to basically bankrupt a whole bunch of people. All of the assets are going to be scooped up by the owners of the rubble, but the owners of the rubble are not the people who held the security because they changed the laws and the basically the broker owns the security and you get to, he explains it in the video, like you buy a car, you pay for the car in cash, you take the car off the lot, you drive the car. But the car dealership retains ownership of your car and continues to use it to make other deals and things like that, uses it as a, a, an asset on his books. And then the dealership goes bankrupt and you lose your car, even though you paid for it and own it outright. You see the, you see the problem? It's not about cars, though. It's about everything you own.
Okay. Okay. Just so we're very, very clear. And here Vivek Ramaswamy is talking about a subsection of this, which is just taking your house, not your securities, your house in order to, for the climate, of course, for your safety comrade, uh, in order to put in these carbon capture pipelines in America. He says the great reset now comes to your backyard in Iowa. It's dead wrong and unconstitutional to use eminent domain to seize farmland to advance the global climate cults, carbon capture pipelines in the American Midwest. Shame on the GOP establishment for its silence on this critical issue in Iowa. Yeah, this climate cult thing needs to fall. Um, this is an Infowars. Vivek Ramaswamy is sharing an Infowars clip. Wild stuff, right? Wild stuff. We're we're well past the um, horizon in this weird, wacky world and dimension that we've, we're in after post-2012, right? Obviously, the... Um, the grand, the what is it? The Haldron, the Large Haldron Collider, the Grand Haldron Collider. Once that was turned on, all bets are done, right? The Mandela effect took took over, and that was it. Um, so, presidential campaign or p- presidential candidates can share Infowars clips, and everybody's like, "Yeah, man, he's making a good point," and he is. <laughs> Financial Post. I also find it interesting how after Elon Musk retor- restored a- um, Alex Jones' Twitter. He's kind of more legitimate now. Some For some reason, he's popping up everywhere. He's on all sorts of shows. He's being interviewed. He's doing a debate on the on January 6th. And the whole debate on January 6th, was it an insurrection or was it not? It's meant to justify the January... Like, if you have to have a debate about it, right? Like, then it was a thing that, that mattered, right? If there's smoke, there's fire. It's a rap smear. And, like, debating about it seems insane. And Alex Jones uh, debating fake news, it seems... Like, is this real or fake? Seems funny on the on the heels of a you know a billion dollar or hundreds two hundred billion dollar or whatever it was um, decision against Jones for spreading misinformation about Sandy Hook, which he says he didn't do in the first place. Holy smoke, the whole thing's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. The whole world's crazy. It is. Uh, Financial Post is reporting this. Justin Trudeau's unaccountable cons- consultocracy. Ooh. I like that as a title. That's a good one. Um, Trudeau spends billions on management consultants because he and his cabinet lack the skills to govern. It is a changing of the guards, everyone. Canada has been turned into a consultocracy by Justin Trudeau, who spends billions on managing management consultants because he and his cabinet lack the skills to govern. Management fees paid to consultants have skyrocketed to $17.7 billion in 2022. I think I said $22 billion, so apologies about that. $17.7 billion which is so much less than 22 billion. McKinsey and company, those guys popping up a lot, eh? What kind of they're getting a lot of money for consulting management for a whole bunch of things and McKinsey is very close with China as far as I understand it. Dominic Barton was part of a managing partner in McKinsey and and he was a an ambassador to China and oh, there's all sorts of very very tight connections here that are very concerning, right? Um Anyway, it says McKinsey and Company virtually run immigration. Quote, the cost of McKinsey's contracts has spiked 30-fold since the Harper years, which is a lot. Posted Radio Canada in January. The consulting firm McKinsey and Company has seen the amount of money it earns from federal contracts explode since Prime Minister Trudeau came to power to the point where some suggest it may have a central role in shaping Canada's immigration policies. So that's pretty wild. And it's it gets worse and worse and worse. Um, but... The money we're spending on consultants, the fact that we're outsourcing our immigration policy to globalist financial consultants, it seems that's bad, right? Like That seems bad. I don't like that. seems like a waste of money. It seems like we are being fleeced, and we are. We are. Our tax dollars are not being spent on what most people would, would 
want them to be spent on, and that's bad too. Here's David Mulrooney, and he's waking up to the idea that something fishy's going on. Andy Lee's there with the red pill ready to Morpheus him, um, but he says, <laughs> Ottawa confirms a third of AccuCenter employees working on CEBA are based in Brazil. Huh. That's not so good. Here's a Globe and Mail article that confirms that. Quote, AccuCenter's CBA agreement worth $208 million to date is one of the largest contracts ever given to a major consulting firm, and it was never publicly disclosed. And a whole bunch of those people work outside of Canada. So that's not good. Millions of our taxpayer dollars going outside of Canada. Here's Andy Lee, and she, she says, take the red pill, David. I'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And Andy Lee is referencing her own tweet, which says AccuCenter, a WEF partner and the known traveler digital identity pilot is run by CEO Julie Sweet. She was appointed to the WEF's board of trustees in 2021, sitting alongside Christia Freeland. AccuCenter has two federal contracts in 2017 and 2021. It got got 95. Um, So questions, right? So there is a whole lot of hinky, weird, crazy stuff. David Mulrooney's just touching the surface and Andy Lee offers to completely blow his mind. And is she going to take him? Is he going to take her up on it? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. Right. Probably not. But it is very, very concerning what's going on with the governance in this country, because it doesn't seem like our tax dollars are going to enrich Canada. seems like they're going to enrich everywhere but Canada. Here is Rex Glacier. And he says, this is in regards to Justin Trudeau's vacation, which is, I mean, the usual controversy around Christmas and New Year's for Canada recently in the last eight years or so. Um, Rex Glacier says, Media 911, Trudeau's in trouble yet again, all hands on deck until further notice. And so these guys are talking about how they don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear this garbage, they say. Right? Trudeau's office is clarifying that he and his family, including Sophie, Sophie and the kids, everyone's down in Jamaica, at, quote, no cost to taxpayers, end quote. That's the statement. Initially, it was said that Trudeau's family would pay for the stay and that they would reimburse the public for the cost. The ethics commissioner was consulted for the trip. That's important to note. Uh, last year, the Trudeau family were in Jamaica, and it cost taxpayers $160,000. we are talking travel, security, uh, a reminder, he's our prime minister. The PM. <laughs> a reminder, he's our prime minister, so we have to spend that kind of money. Are you kidding me right now? Holy cow, right? So he's not interested in hearing that. I wondered if Idra, right? If Idra came down, him and South and, you know, <laughs> right. Um, so they're trying to cover for what is going on with Trudeau, but real people. Here's the Niagara Independent. And it says, New Year, same old vacation controversy for Justin Trudeau. And this is by, is this by Josie S. And she says, the real problem is that Trudeau just doesn't care about the optics of being on vacation at a luxury resort while there is a cost of living crisis happening at home. Whether intentional or not, his office pulled a bait and switch with the media regarding the details of the trip. And now the details will be exposed in a drip drip fashion. And and she says that will certainly do nothing to bolster public opinion of the prime minister and his floundering liberal party, who are increasingly viewed as out of touch on the economic issues that matter to Canadians. As for the conservatives, expect them to be in full force on social media, exposing the hypocrisy of Trudeau's vacation. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty. And again, it seems like it's almost planned. Like, Trudeau, be a dick and do it as publicly as you can, because we'd really like to just turn the page on you and, and this whole government and have somebody like Pierre Polyev in charge who will lull Canadians further to sleep, I think, and get more done. Anyway, although 
To be fair, Trudeau has gotten a lot done if you're looking at it from a progressive standpoint, not to say it's been positive for Canada. I think that a lot of the things that he's done have been absolutely harmful to the country. But if you are looking at it through Jagmeet and Justin's progressive lens or the WEF progressive lens, they have taken a country that in 2015 was proud of itself and comfortable with its with, with its status in the world and turned it into a country that is unsure, kind of hateful of itself uh, and violent with conflicts raging everywhere and uh, leadership that looks like a complete joke. Like we are not better off at all because of Justin Trudeau. And I think that that's by design, right? I think that Justin Trudeau bringing all of this chaos to Canada is what he was supposed to do so, to make us easy to conquer right? Ridiculous. National Post is reporting a second plane sent to bring Trudeau home from luxury Jamaica vacation after breakdown, right? So, I mean, at least this time there's no rumors of drugs. (laughs) Small mercies, right? The other day, yesterday before bed, I saw um, this whole thing. It says, well, uh, according to this Reddit post, um, a flight from PDX to ONT tonight lost a window an unoccupied seat and experienced a rapid decompression and takeoff, the plane landed back at PDX safely. So when you look at the video, the seat is is there, I think when there, there's a, there's an image, hold on, there's an image of the seat. Here it is. Uh, it looks like the seat is there, right? So I said, I sent this to, to my wife just before bed because that's when I saw it. And I said, it sucked the seat out. Good thing nobody was sitting in the seat. And she's like, did you see the picture? And I was like, yep. And she said, like the seat's there. It's like, yeah, but it said the seat was sucked out. She said, yeah, but the seat's there. So I don't know if the seat got sucked out, but the seat looks like it's right there. My wife is correct. And so weird, right? And however, they've grounded these flights. And wouldn't that be kind of scary? Like I would not want to be in the plane anymore if that portion of the plane just got sucked out on the takeoff. That's not great, right? I... <laughs> So they've grounded all of these planes. And I am impressed with how calm everybody is. Everybody seems to be... So like they're taking off. The plane has already had the window blow out. At least they weren't 30,000 feet and it blew out, I guess, right? That's good. Um, But the window's blown out and everybody seems ridiculously calm for the situation. I think I would be not as calm but i mean maybe i've i've never been in this situation so maybe i'd have to put on a brave face for like my kids or something like that because i don't want them to inherit a fear of mine just because they're looking at me for like cues on that right so um, i would try and put on a brave face if i had to put on a brave face but if i didn't have to put on a brave face all bets are off man like marge on when they tried to get her flying (laughs) get me off get me off get me off get me off here's very calm passengers looking out a giant giant open air window on a plane while they're flying no, thank you. Hello, stewardess. <laughs> Holy smoke. <laughs> Somehow holding on to the plane at that point doesn't seem like it's enough, right? You're holding on to the seat. You're like, man, I hope I, I hope I stay attached to the seat thing if the plane just disintegrates like the window did. <laughs> It would not be good. Okay, Prime Minister's plane breaks down. Oh, this was supposed to be back there. Uh, Military forced to send a second plane with mechanics to fix it. So the Canadian Armed Forces 
was forced to send a second plane to Jamaica this week after the military aircraft that brought Prime Minister Trudeau to the Caribbean island for a family vacation became unserviceable, the CBC News has learned. Andre Ann P., spokesperson for the Department of National Defense, confirmed that two Royal Canadian Air Force Challengers traveled to Jamaica. The first aircraft that transported the Prime Minister's party became unserviceable. After arrival, she wrote in an email response, the second aircraft brought a maintenance team to repair the first aircraft and remained in the area as a backup for the prime minister's departure if necessary so there you go that's what's going on with the plane hopefully well i mean it would be very not great to be on a plane where where the window just blew out (laughs) yikes not very good here's anita anand and it is it seems like the canadian mps who are charged with running canada seem to hate canada it seems like they hate the country they wish that it was somewhere else anywhere else ukraine would be great israel would be good but also maybe palestine they're they love all of them they weigh in on everything maybe the middle east they could run the middle east no problems maybe uh, wherever uh, you know everywhere in asia right tamil whatever it is they are pandering and pandering and pandering if they love them so much, if they love all of these other places so much, they should go and run in elections there. They love them so much. They're going to give them money. Instead, they want to give them our money. I don't know, right? But here's Anita Anand, and she says, uh, Vakanam and happy Tamil Heritage Month. From rich traditions, ancient language, arts, food, Canada and my riding of Oakville are lucky to have a vibrant Tamil community that contributes to our country each day. It seems divisive and like further driving a wedge. And I have no problem with Tamil people. I don't have a problem with Asian people or Indian people or anybody else to that effect. I don't have a problem with immigrants or anything to that effect either. However, it seems like our government is fixated completely on pandering to as many immigrants and groups as possible while hating white Canadians or old stock Canadians or whatever you want to call it, traditionalist Canadians, Canadians who believe that hard work and personal accountability and personal responsibility are are cornerstones of who we are as Canadians um, and as just generally as people. It just seems, and like, again, not to say that people of Tamil heritage don't feel like that as well, but it seems like the liberals hate that. So anyway, I hate the pandering. I think it's ridiculous. If they love all of these places so much, they should move there. That's basically it. Melanie Jolie says, glad to connect with my Italian counterpart, Antonio T, to discuss Italy's presidency of the G7 this year. We discussed the conflict in the Middle East, the need to continue supporting Ukraine's fight for freedom, and our respective engagement in the Indo-Pacific. So Melanie Jolie seems incompetent, and it seems like there are a lot of things going on in the world. And fine, sure, like talking with your Italian counterpart about the G7 and blah, 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 blah. It just seems like there are a lot of very, very uh, important issues. Like Canada's not able to bring its military military to bear to do NATO exercises. We're not we're not meeting our NATO our basic NATO commitments. There are a whole bunch of other th- issues that are are very very prominent and should be addressed. But instead of addressing those things, our leaders are pretending like everything's hunky dory and we're moving on. And oh, this year's the G seven with Italy and oh, you know, let's let's have a photo op about that and blah 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 blah. And they're not talking about the issues that are actually top of mind for Canadians. And it's very very frustrating. And I'm sure Melanie Jolie is the foreign um, the, the foreign minister, so there are things that she should focus on that other ministers should have responsibility for some of the things that I was talking about. It's not her responsibility. However, if you look at 
uh, geopolitics around the rest of the world and where Canada's fitting, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we are more and more of a joke and Melanie Jolie is not making that better. And the Twitter diplomacy seems to be falling flat. I don't understand. I don't understand it. Um, so, so I, I wish Canada had a better government period. CBC watcher is responding to Blacklock's reporter and Blacklock's reporter says the government of Canada has put itself hip deep in the Canadian newsroom and the news publishers have let them because there was always the promise of money. So CBC watcher quotes part of this podcast quote name the one news organization that has more multi-million dollar liability settlements against it than any other. It's not the police gazette it's the CBC. Do they have any credi- any credibility? The federal government is going to determine that. So the government is going to decide who has credibility. I think it's very funny as well that the government is forcing Google to pay the CBC a, a portion of the money that's meant to go to newsrooms and things like that. The CBC should be functional with the money given to it by the public purse. Period. Right? Like and and like if you have a television network advertiser dollars that you don't have to be really accountable to anyone for and a guaranteed basic income from the government of a billion dollars you should be able to put together a television network you should be able to figure that out like come on dude (laughs) like can you imagine can you i mean a billion dollars is a lot of money right but i mean i guess if you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars in product then a billion dollars is orders of magnitude less like if you're if the series you have to buy is hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars then a billion dollars seems you know it's a little thin maybe but even so like staffing wise you could you could have your own shows you could have children's shows these things don't cost all that much puppets okay like staff like this is now we're not talking millions like now we're talking in the hundreds of thousands right again so i mean the whole thing is it seems like um, a way to just demoralize the crap out of us with the CBC. Anyway, moving on. Let's talk about food and food costs very quickly. This guy is going in Florida, I guess, wintering in the USA. I don't know if it's Florida. I, I assume Florida. I don't know why. And he says, check out these prices compared to Canada. So there's milk. And I think it's four liters of milk. And it's in the big plastic jug. I don't know if I like the big plastic jug. I might like the bags in Ontario. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be able to move somewhere and deal with a plastic jug like this. But anyway, the plastic jug is 388 for the same milk in Ontario. It is 589 for the same amount of milk in Newfoundland. It is something like $10. $8 if you're lucky. Large eggs, $1.57 in Canada right now, in Ontario anyway, $360, $369 for the same dozen eggs. Um, so that's pretty wild. And then sugary Gatorade drinks, sugary salty Gatorade drinks, $1.18. I don't know. I don't know how that compares. Um, the cheese balls, is that Costco? It looks maybe like Costco. The cheese balls thing, those things are like nine bucks. Um, so, and I've, n- I've never bought them. I just always look at them and think that they look very interesting. Anyway, Sam Cooper, let's talk about China. Sam Cooper is responding to Andy Lee. Andy Lee says, call me cautious, but I'm wondering how a woman who is reported to have worked for the consulate general of the PRC, that's the People's Republic of China, in Toronto for 10 years, ended up becoming an assistant to multiple Canadian po- politicians without being flagged as a serious security risk. Was she not vetted, right? So that's interesting. And Sam Cooper says, open source diggers are really now putting faces to some of the network association, associates of confirmed intelligence actor Wei Zhou 
and asking good questions. And the politicians in these photos have questions to answer. Lawfare has a freeze on it, but this isn't going away. So yeah, there's a very interesting situation. And here's further interesting situations. Sam Cooper says again, the political staffer in the red scarf standing next to a confirmed intelligence handler, Wei Zhou, I think that's this guy, um, was who was running GTA staffers for Toronto consulate to get intelligence from Canadian politicians such as Mary Ng per my reporting sourced from Canadian intelligence. So, and and he's talking here again about open source diggers. So this whole China thing is getting worse and worse and worse, but your average regular everyday person has no idea, no idea at all, unless you're reading Scott or Scott Cooper, unless you're, unless you're actually directly reading Cooper yourself or you are watching this show or you're really interested in this China story, you probably have no idea about what's going on, really, honestly. And I wish that that were not true, but it seems like most people don't know what's going on. Hello, everyone. Thanks very much for watching. This is just a short version of a longer show. If you'd like to get the whole show, you can go over to CanadaPoly.com and sign up for a subscription. Just look in the drop-down tab for shop and donate and look for subscriptions and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful.